welcome to the Therapist Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda Barker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Lucas Vellini, LMFT. Good to be here. And today we are talking about the holidays, family dynamics, and really like how to get through the holidays with your families. But actually, it's also like helping your clients get through the holidays, right? We can talk about it from both both directions. So We're all humans that experience the holidays with family. Exactly. We all have family stuff. We all struggle with this sort of thing and setting boundaries and figuring out, you know, how to get through some of this stuff. And so this episode is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about this. And we have Letitia Harris with us. Hello. Letitia, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Letitia Harris. I am a mental health practitioner. (laughs) You say that with a question mark? (laughs) Well, sometimes I try to figure out what, like, where to place my title, but... No, I remember this. So you are pre-licensed still, right? Yes, I am. Okay, and so I think that's why you have the question mark. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You went to school. You're you're on track for LPCC, is that right? Correct, yes. Okay, okay. I was trying to, I was like testing my memory there. Yep. (laughs) Um, You might recognize Letitia's voice, or if you're watching this on YouTube, then you'll recognize her face because you were (laughs) just on an episode with us where we talked about the whole brain child. Yes. Great book. So good. And so if you have not yet listened to that episode, cue that one up next because it's a really good one. Yes. And if you haven't read the book, you're an irresponsible therapist. Well, and also, I'm going to go that far. <laughs> Would you say that even for like people who see adults? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. understanding the complexity of child development, human development from the perspective of Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, mm-hmm. or just interpersonal neurobiology in general. Yep. Absolutely. It's like every client you work with is either currently in childhood mm-hmm. or at one point was in childhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Well, and I think that for a lot of people, and we talked about this on the episode, but for a lot of people that that book helps us, it puts brain terminology into like terms that you can understand for your clients, not just for your kids. Yeah, super digestible neuroscience. Exactly. Is what it is. Exactly. So yeah. cue that one up if for after this episode. and Because it'll also help you get through the holidays. I totally agree. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. so true. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing. I feel like you kind of, as a therapist, you go through almost the seasonality with your clients where it's like, all right, in August, we're going to, all of my clients are talking about back back to school. And in September, we're all talking about routine. We're all talking about like how we're, you know, like how is this going? And then in, in like November, December, you start, everyone starts to kind of go, all right, I'm starting to like look towards the holidays, starting to make these plans with family. And you kind of have the same conversation with so many of your clients. Is that the, is that how it is for you guys too? Yeah. Yeah. It's like they, you, you can notice the additional weight that they start bringing into the office. Yeah. With them. Yeah. Well, and I think that just like society starts to kind of, your, their mindset kind of turns towards these things. And you, and you see similar mindset shifts or kind of similar themes even in like the new year where where like you have people talking about change and I don't know it just it seems like as a society we have these like conversations that just kind of we keep going back to and maybe and maybe that's also like a Minnesota thing too where like 
you know, in, in February or March, you also, everyone's talking about how we're ready for winter to end, but I don't know. Oh That's- gosh. And, and holiday <laughs> stress too. I do think it's yeah. regional in the sense of like here in Minnesota, it's the holiday stress compounded by winter is right. coming. That's yeah. true. But I think that for most people, like winter is still fun at this point. Ugh. Like I don't believe them. I don't buy it. <laughs> I I am not someone who likes snow, but I I like I like the a white Christmas. I like that, and so it's you know you'll hear me complain in a couple months about about how I'm ready for the snow to end. Yeah. But <laughs> but we're not talking about the weather. We're talking about family, and this is a topic that you really like talking about, Lucas. Like you specialize in working with mainly like adult children, you know, navigating family relationships or like navigating parent relationships. And so um, where do you want to start with this conversation? I think that's like this topic is a good example of why I became so passionate about working with like adult siblings and their aging parents as a family therapist, because like one of the things in grad school that I noticed was it's like all the family therapy models, all the family therapy teachings, it kind of stops once the kids are launched, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that sends a false message that once you get your kids grown, it's like life's easy peasy. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it's smooth sailing. Yeah. But in reality, it's a total opposite of all that. Right. It's like some of the most painful family conflicts that I've ever observed have happened much later in life. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? So, like, what are some what are some issues that you're seeing adult children kind of deal with with the holidays or with their families? I think it's less like I don't think it's a direct effect of the holidays in and of itself as much as it's 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 like all the coping skills that we utilize throughout the year to keep all of our unresolved grief from our childhood and family of origin (laughs) suppressed. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't work anymore when it Mm -hmm. comes to the holidays because we know that we have to face these people. Mm. It's like we're all going to get together in this same space Mm -hmm. and all of us are bringing all of that suppressed emotion that we've been, you know, uh, using our manager parts, if Mm -hmm. you will, to, you know, kind of keep that bay throughout the year. And it's like once you put that system back into the same space, immediately all the tensions that still exist within that system fills the space. Hmm. And then they have to figure out how to kind of get through it, mm-hmm. really. Because yeah. I think that's how people go into the holidays. It's like, yeah. how am I going to get through this Thanksgiving dinner with these four people that <laughs> I cannot stand, mm-hmm. that I have so much right. resentment and unresolved anger toward? Mm. Well, I, I think part of it too is that and just as you're talking, I was thinking through like, we see, for many of us, we see our families throughout the year, but but we see them in small doses mainly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my daughter just had her birthday party. And so it's like, yeah. my in-laws came up, Two my hours. family came up. Exactly. I mean, you can get by 90 minutes. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. 60 at a birthday party. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's like, you see them in small doses. And I think that like, even if you have tumultuous relationships with your families, you can usually kind of like stuff things down, keep things pretty shallow and and move move through like the mm-hmm. small doses. But I think that's why so many people have 
holiday anxiety around family stuff is because I think there's number one an expectation, and maybe we should talk a lot about oh, expectations. Yeah. I left that one out. So every, everything I just said, and then on top of it, the massive pressure to be joyful. Yeah. 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 Well, and like the expectation to often like expectation to see your family, but then mm-hmm. also expectations to like spend long periods of time with them yeah. during this. And I, I don't know about for you two, but mm-hmm. like I live out of state from my in-laws and my family. My family, So it's like my in-laws and my parents and like my siblings, they all kind of live in the same state about an hour from each other. And so like there is this expectation of during the holidays, we see everybody and we like take a week off of work and we're, we're like doing the holiday, mm-hmm. you know, like the holiday tour. And <laughs> I mean, like, gratefully and thankfully, like I'm both of my parent, my parents, my in-laws, like their marriages are intact. So it's like you have those two stops. But for some people, it's like you see Four so five, many yeah. more people. Oh yeah. Um, and so that's what that's I think another part why of why it can be hard is you're like, okay, I'm seeing them for long periods of time. We can't just talk about the snow and our and stare at my daughter for, you know, hours. <laughs> We can only pretend that everything's okay for so long. Well, and and so then you, and so then like some of the deeper stuff, some of like Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, politics, like some of the Mm, harder things, (laughs) they start to come out because you start, you can't necessarily like just push those down for so long. I don't know. Someone's bound to make a comment, but. And and that's when I start to enjoy the holidays. That's what I fade into the background and yeah. just let everybody just be tear grateful each other apart. that this year is not an election year. Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Um it'll make the holidays a little bit easier. But let's let's start there. Let's talk about some expectations. Let's talk let's talk about like why some of these are hard and then also like how do you guys work with clients around expectation setting? Well, yeah, what does this look like in your method or approach to this work being community based? Um, yeah, so expectations, oftentimes we look at just what they need to do, what they want to do, and how those can kind of connect with each other and how we can work towards making sure that their goal is met. Mm. So in community base, especially, it's a lot more of them in their own element and in their own environment. And so having to express to them, you know, because oftentimes I have I have a couple of clients who have kids. And so sometimes it's chaos, right? And so how do you meet expectations mm-hmm. or how do you set expectations when you're in a world of chaos constantly, right? How do you navigate through holidays when you have your kids, you have mm-hmm. your nieces and nephews, you have family members who don't get along, you have you know, dynamics that are not understood or um, relatable. And you also have some of those other barriers like um, financial barriers or um, relationship barriers. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, it's making me realize too that like even when we're talking about expectations, there are subcategories within that to be talking with your clients about like what are your self-expectations? What are your expectations of the holidays? Like, and then what are your family's expectations? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so like 
the external expectations yeah. put on you that mm-hmm. you feel pressure from. Right. And then the internal expectations of how you want to respond to that, mm-hmm. right. you know, which is what we can work with our clients on, mm-hmm. you know, is how they can generate some internal expectations that are going to equip them to manage the external expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think a big one is telling them, like making it clear, it's like expect chaos. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. This, so one of my like least favorite Christmas movies, the, it's, I, because I think it's a stressful movie for me. Like, Don't say Elf. No. Because everyone will hate you. No, <laughs> it's Christmas with the Cranks. Have you ever yeah. seen oh, that? Is that a Tim yeah. Allen one? It is a Tim Allen movie. Mm. It's sorry guys, it's garbage. Does it take place in Detroit? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. But it's very stressful. I think that that movie, it, it's a stressful movie because you see how they like Tim Allen and his wife, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, I think mm-hmm. that's who it is. Yeah. They like make the decision to just throw everybody's expectations on them out the window because their daughters are not, their daughter's not coming home for the holidays. So then they're like, well, screw this then. Like, we're going to do whatever we want. We're going to like, you know, we're going to go on a cruise during Christmas and everybody's, everybody around them kind of breaks and they're like, what? You're not going to do the holidays? And I think that... I'm going to watch this movie. I think I might like this movie. It's quite interesting, but it speaks to societal <laughs> expectations it speaks to like your neighborhood yes. your family your friends like they don't put christmas lights everybody, up yeah everybody's expectations yeah and so their their neighbors like freak out yeah. but i think that that's that's a good example of how like when you take a step back and when you say well what do i actually want to do for the holidays mm-hmm. um when I'm just making decisions myself and then everybody kind of crumbles around you and yeah. how like there are true, there are so many yeah. expectations around you. But. And then the guilt of that, right? Like yeah. how do you deal with that? Because there's expectations from your family. There's expectations in society mm-hmm. just around what Christmas or what Thanksgiving or what the holiday is supposed to look like. Yeah. I mean, even... Halloween, you know, like what what those holidays, all of those mm-hmm. running in together, what they're supposed to look like, what they're yeah. supposed to feel like, what you're supposed to you're expected to do, how yeah. much time you're expected to spend how much with money family, you're expected right? To spend. Exactly. Yeah. And Pinterest did not help. No. Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> um, there was a I think it was like a BuzzFeed thing. Like there's no empirical validity to this assessment, but <laughs> it matched your zodiac sign. <clears throat> with like how you respond to the holidays based and it just showed pictures of like how your house is decorated for Christmas. Oh, mm-hmm. that's funny. And so like I dig into this and I didn't have any expectation, but I was a year to get to my zodiac sign, which was Capricorn. And the one right before Capricorn was like the most decked out Christmas <laughs> lights house I'd ever seen. Like mm-hmm. it was and like I remember seeing it. My first thought was like, oh my gosh, that's obnoxious. Like I yeah. hate that person. Mm-hmm. And then the <laughs> next one was Capricorn and the Capricorn house the guy just put lights <laughs> on the front of the garage that said, this guy sucks with an arrow pointing <gasps> to the previous one. Oh, that's so funny. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is me. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, oh, and so funny. like, I, th- I think a big, not just for the holidays, but in general, it's like people need to figure out how to be okay with making a choice that they know will mm. disappoint somebody mm-hmm. else's expectation of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's just wellness. Yeah. yeah. But it's hard and it's mm-hmm. increasingly hard in the holidays because yep. that the expectations people put on you are heightened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So maybe when you're when you're a therapist kind of walking through this with a client, it is kind of just saying, just asking the questions around like, what were holidays like growing up for you? What are they like now? What sort of expectations do you feel like your family puts on you for the holidays? Mm-hmm. Which ones do you think are reasonable? Which ones are the ones that maybe you feel like, oh, I don't like I don't know if I can do this. Like, I mean, uh, and it gets deep too because when you when you mention that, it's like the role of uh, like rituals, yes, and mm-hmm. tradition. See, that's mm-hmm. it. See, and that's what's hard. And this is what's this is what's kind of trippy about recording this episode is because I'm 38 weeks pregnant. And by the time this episode airs, I'm going to be on maternity leave and figuring out some of this stuff, right? Yeah. Like figuring out, do I bring a brand new baby to the holidays? Right. You're going to, you sure will be expected to. I sure will be expected uh-huh. <laughs> to. But it is kind of this, that thing where it's like you, you have this larger expectations and then there's also kind of like a, all right, how do I start the conversations now of with my family around like can we loosen the expectations around this can we mm-hmm. can we are there ways that i can you know see family do these different things while also um kind of keeping my own sanity in mm-hmm. <laughs> in mind you know and yeah and so maybe the when you're having conversations with clients and and the expectations do not match what's realistic for them it's having conversations around What's the compromise? How do we start setting expectations early with our families? How do we start these conversations early? And I mean, some of it goes back to basic communication skills, right? Too. Yeah, give people a heads up. You know, one of the things I always encourage my clients to do, because I don't know if it's just me, but like all my clients seem to talk about me a lot with the people in their lives. Uh-huh. Like the mm-hmm. people in their lives like know me. Uh-huh. Like they ask about me, you know, and it's like they they it give is, them they give them updates on It is yeah. funny when a client <laughs> will like when a client's significant other or other people in their life knows your name or yeah. like mm-hmm. you know yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and like you exist in their consciousness. Like mm-hmm. you have no you kind of have a, a sense of who they are, but um what I always tell my clients is like, if they need to set a boundary, you know, mm-hmm. or if, like, they need to, if they really want to not do something, you know, especially, like, holiday-related, I tell them to just, like, blame it on me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's be like, well, you know, Lucas was very insistent, you know, that it would be within yeah. my best interest to just not attend this for this mm-hmm. reason. I, I have to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I have to at least give this a try. He's, he's, he's He seems pretty certain mm-hmm. that this is what I should do. You know, and mm-hmm. so it's like, but yeah, put the, I think that's always a resource, you know, especially when people first experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then generally what they find is like people respond to it in a much less horrifying way than they imagine they that's will true. in their mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you said the B word. No, I didn't. Oh, boundaries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You said boundaries. Like, and I was waiting for that word to come up mm-hmm. in this conversation because gosh, do I hate that word. Like, you know, (laughs) it's so over, it's so over therapized, so overused. That lands right under, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Yeah. But like, how do you actually set boundaries? How do you help clients actually set boundaries? And what the hell are boundaries when it comes (laughs) to this topic? That's what I hate about boundaries because I hate I hate it because it's so overused, Mm -hmm. um, but it's like also so important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Family therapists, how like how do you start 
thinking about boundaries and how do you help your clients talk about boundaries and figure out boundaries? Mm. When you, assuming that the client is in a phase of life where it's like they have their own family system now, they mm-hmm. have kids, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's, I think boundaries, I mean, you look at it at all different levels. So like there's, there's their new, newly formed family system, um, their family of creation, you know, there's a boundary that exists around them, mm-hmm. you know, and all the associated subsystems. So like parent A's, you know, extended family, parent B's extended family, Mm -hmm. um, nieces, nephews, cousins, aunts, uncles, now across three to four generations. Um, And then there are also boundaries that exist within each of those subsystems between each individual. And when you're using the word here, you're talking about like boundaries around like this is this is this family. This is Mm -hmm. almost like these invisible. Yeah, they're invisible lines of demarcation that separate and organize individuals and subsystems Mm -hmm. within larger systems Mm -hmm. and like family systems therapists we look at boundaries through the lens of um it's either a rigid boundary Mm -hmm. which means like they're they're very closed systems Mm -hmm. that outside systems don't have much of any influence at all um it could be a diffuse boundary which means there's hardly a boundary at all you know yeah it's like Mm -hmm. everything is entering and exiting the system Mm -hmm. which leads to chaos Mm -hmm. um and then the goal is a clear boundary which allows each subsystem to be differentiated as its own distinct entity but it coexists in relationship to all of these other systems but ultimately you know it's like the parents need to take responsibility for their family of creation and have conversations around like, what do we want our rituals to be? Yep. Mm-hmm. What traditions do we? What traditions do we want to hold on to, mm-hmm. um, and you know, kind of perpetuate into the next generation? And that gets tricky too because their parents. You know, it's like sometimes you have to choose which family's tradition you're going to adopt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when you're up, you know, the extended generation on the losing end of that. It's like there that takes away from your symbolic immortality because mm. something you invested your whole life in it's that was losing. meaningful to you is not going to mm-hmm. exist anymore after yeah. you die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be carried on. Um, mm. And so it's like that. That's what they need. That's the parents' responsibility first and foremost is to talk with their partner about what they want the holidays to mean to them, mm-hmm. what they want it to look like, what they don't want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first and foremost, like, make sure that it's special for your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny, like, we will—so, I was—I'm the oldest in my family, and so I was the first—I was the first one to get married, and my husband was also the first one to get married, and so we—I felt like in some ways we were the guinea pigs for yeah. both of our families, where mm-hmm. we were like, all right, what's Colin and Miranda going to do? Like, we—and um, so, the first few years were super hard, like, just kind of— testing some of those boundaries, figuring out like wh- whose expectations were where, and then also just feeling like we didn't have control over any of this. We are still kind of like held by our family of origin and some of these things. And then and then over time, it started to get easier. We started to figure out, okay, this is, I think we did a better job of having conversations like that around, you know, what do we want our family to do? What do we want our traditions to look like? What's meaningful to you about some of these holiday traditions? What's meaningful to me? What do we want to pass on to our kids? What do we want to continue? And um, and then and then you inevitably, like, you know, a sibling gets married and then they they will say, this truly happened in one of our families where it's like one of our siblings then goes, 
we're not going to do that. We're not going to come for Christmas. And then it's mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Like <laughs> you're, allow- <laughs> you're allowed to do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. As and- if like all the dominoes are just going to fall right. now. Yeah. So you just destroyed our entire yeah. family. Yeah. And it's just funny because then you realize like, no, you adjust. Like they, you figure it yeah, out. Yeah, you're fine. You, you're fine. And that's what, when I was saying earlier, like people's responses to you setting a boundary <laughs> or like, you know, not forcing yourself to adhere to their expectations yes. of you. They tend to respond to it better than you anticipate. Yes. And a big reason for that is because what you're also doing in that moment is giving them permission to do the same thing exactly. for themselves. Yep. Yes. You know, and like, it was exactly how you said yes. it. Like, you can do that? <laughs> yeah. That's an option? <laughs> right. We're free autonomous beings? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I can break free. Well, and so <laughs> you're right. Like, and so then you you start to kind of, you are given permission to have more of those conversations and realize what you truly want this to look like. And then it starts feeling better. It starts feeling more comfortable. It starts feeling like less of a, well, I have to do this or I'm expected to yeah, do it's this. Like that, that rigidity that mm-hmm. like closes everybody in, which mm-hmm. is all the stress mm-hmm. of the holidays. It just mm-hmm. starts to open up. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that I saw that happen in my own life just as like more of the flexibility was introduced and more of like those conversations were had. And it's, and I think that because of both, like all of those experiences, I'm able to, you know, have more candid conversations with clients then about like, you can figure, you can give you permission to disrupt this a little bit. Yeah. And again, it's like having some of those conversations early and, um, <laughs> and that's ultimately the goal of every family system is to figure out how to land in the center point of chaos and rigidity, mm. you know, because it's like when it's too, like what you were talking about was like, you're feeling the pressures of the rigidity mm-hmm. of your family mm-hmm. and your expectations. You and Colin, you know, getting married, you know, disrupted that mm-hmm. because now there's an additional extended family yeah. coming into play. Um, and so you, you deviate mm-hmm. from the norm, which disrupts rigidity. And that blows people's minds, Yeah, opens their minds, you know, but then what could be problematic if, is if then everybody responded like, all right, no more rules, no more expectations, yeah. everybody just do what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, that's chaos, mm-hmm. you know, and so like you don't want to go into that realm. But yeah, it's like people need to be open to the realities that things will look different as families evolve and new generations come into play. Right. And it's, it's difficult, you know, it's like my role as a parent is my kid's age is to not get in the way of them becoming what they need to become and not putting pressure on them to not evolve in the ways that they find themselves wanting to evolve. Mm -hmm. And what's difficult about that is, depending on how I look at it, I guess, because a lot of people will look at it as that's a loss for me. Mm-hmm. You know, by letting them do that, it's like yeah. I'm losing out on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it as my kids are evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this is what my job is as a parent. Mm-hmm. And to see them become their own version of themselves is beautiful. Yeah. I think you bring up an, an interesting point, and I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts on this, Letitia. But like the there is kind of a continual push and pull that happens throughout the year but i think that it gets kind of concentrated during the holidays where you're you're tasked with figuring out the balance between traditions routine and growth 
Like you're, you're, because there's so much that's comfortable. There's so much richness. There's so much that is powerful in some of these traditions that we can carry on, that we can follow through with. But then there's also this need for growth and there's this need for some flexibility. And so I think that like, that's another aspect that's difficult, but also really important around Mm holidays and communicating with families. I don't know if you have a perspective or any thoughts on that. Yeah, I was going to say you spoke to comfort, right? I think as your family is growing and as your kids start to get into their teenage years and early adulthood, like there's a comfortable expectation that they're going to come, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're no longer in your home or they have friends that are independent of you. And so they're expected to come home for the holiday, right? They're expected to do things. And so there's that comfortableness in their ex- in that expectation, right? And so then as that starts to shift and they start to create their own families and they start to have their own independence, that status quo and that comfortableness starts to shift. And so you start to say, now what do we do, right? And so it's like this year they're not coming. Everything's going to go haywire, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not... You're in an uncomfortable state, right? Mm -hmm. Like, where do we go from here? Are they going to come this year? Are they going to come next year? Are they going to come the year after that, right? Who am I anymore? Right, exactly. And so your status quo starts to change, Mm -hmm. right? I know, are they expected now to never come, right? And then that chaos in your brain starts to go, I got to get them to come, right? Mm -hmm. I got to... The loss of predictability. Thing, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The la- Which this is anxiety thing provoking. This thing has to happen. I have to make all these changes mm-hmm. so that they will come, right? Or I have to go to them then, right? Mm-hmm. What do, yeah. what we, do we do? We can't not be together. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and being present, right? Like making sure that you're present mm-hmm. in that in that space, right? To This year is this year, right? This year doesn't dictate what happens next year, That's right? That's point. So I, if they're not coming this year, what do we do? for this year, like mm-hmm. to be present in this year, right? So that if they come next year, we can be present in next year and not be like, oh, they're not going to come. And then they'd be like, hey, we're coming this year. And you're like, mm-hmm. we were going blah, 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 because so, we expected you not to. So like yeah. being present in the year that you're in and mm-hmm. in the time and in the space that you're in, if they don't come, they don't come. If yeah. they come, they come. And also know? keeping in mind that there are more holidays to come. Right, you exactly. Know? And it's so not the like a good holiday. follow-up question would be, Okay, so you're not coming this year. Like, is this going to be like a pattern? Right. You know, it's like, are you going to start flip-flopping? You know, is this right. like a unique situation? Or are you telling me that you will never spend another holiday <laughs> with <laughs> right. your parents again? And people, like what you just said, like that's a super common dynamic that people get caught up in. And yeah. that's what that's what derives the pressure that so many people feel externally. Exactly. But individuals who have that response that was just laid out it's like that is a demonstration of how much they lack differentiation and mm-hmm. how much their sense mm-hmm. of self is based upon the people that they're in relationship to. Right. You know, it's like they they operate yeah. from an excess of togetherness and relationality. And the more you operate in an excess of togetherness, the less lesser of an individual you are. Right. And the lesser of an individual you are, it's like that's where your relationships start to fall apart because everyone you're in relationship over time, one, they feel nothing but pressure from you mm-hmm. because you're communicating to them implicitly, sometimes explicitly, I need you in my life to know who I am. Right. But the other dynamic is 
people struggle in relationship to folks that operate from excessive relationality because it's like, who are you even? Where is your individuality? What's interesting about you? You know, it's like, because when people don't have a clear, distinct sense of self and they constantly just operate in reaction to other people, it's like they don't really bring much to the table mm-hmm. in relationships other than pressure. And stress. Right. And stress, mm-hmm. yeah. And draining. I mean, it's very it's draining. It's sucking, you know, sucking the life out of the other person because you're trying to get as much time and as much of that person as you possibly can so that you can fuel yourself yeah. to the next year or mm-hmm. you can fuel yourself yeah. to the next holiday, right? You know, I, I think about relationships and I think about like women and men in their relationship and how if a man says something to a woman, oftentimes she can carry that thing to the next great thing that he says, right? And so when you think about holidays and you think about spending time with your family, as he was saying, with people who need to be in relationship, if they're spending time, I'm spending all day with you, right? Like, let's go shopping. Let's go do this. Let's mm-hmm. go do these things, right? And exhausting yeah. you and sucking the life out of you mm-hmm. so that my life can be full until I see you again or until we spend the next holiday mm-hmm. together or until we spend the next big function together, yeah. right? I'm sucking all I can out of you mm-hmm. because I'm not going to spend time with you until that next event. And I, when I talk with clients about about this and we start kind of making some of these plans or having some of these conversations around expectations and kind of planning for the holidays, I will often, you know, ask like, what would happen if you didn't go? Or what would happen Mm -hmm. if you changed your mind? Or what would happen if this, you know, and you kind of, you just kind of challenge them to think a little bit about, you know, what would happen if things were different? Or maybe, you know, asking like the magic wand question where it's like if if this was exactly how you wanted it to be like what would it look like mm-hmm. you the know, miracle question the miracle question and um and then i think that you can kind of you can explore some of those questions with a client and then say okay well what's what's realistic what can what can we adjust and i think sometimes setting boundaries or or adjusting plans maybe doesn't doesn't necessarily look like well, I'm just not going to my family's house right. in the holidays. Maybe it looks like we're setting a boundary by staying at a hotel. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. we're setting a boundary by saying like, um, I can't remember who gave me this advice, but years ago someone told me that like if you struggle around like connecting with your partner or feeling like um, like you're out of control or I don't know, if you struggle with the holidays and seeing family, then— like having the goal of, okay, every day my partner and I are going to like go do something by ourselves, whether mm-hmm. it be just like every morning we go for a walk or every, you know, in the afternoon we go get coffee or something or just try to <clears throat> try to think about a way that you can connect with your less stressful people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so that it it gives you a little bit of a break from kind of the chaos of the holidays. Um, those are some of like the main kind of tools that I will hear people talk about around trying to, you know, find some solace or some peace mm-hmm. in the holidays. And I'm just going to put this out there, but also consider directly addressing and resolving all the unresolved crap yeah. that everybody in your family is still carrying with them. Yeah. At the dinner table. At the dinner table. Okay, but what does that actually look like, <laughs> Lucas, and how realistic is that? Well, 
Or are you for saying for $10,000, like, I will fly out and attend your Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> with your family? Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I mean, right. I know that you love working with adult kids and families. Like, how common is it for people to actually go to therapy with their adult siblings and to, uh, like, like, try to resolve like, some of this stuff? Almost never until I talk them into it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even say talk them into it. Because really, I, I don't have to convince them. I just need to suggest it mm-hmm. and like open that up as an option. Because yeah. almost every time they're like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, wait, wait, yeah, of course you can do that. Why wouldn't you be able to do that? And they don't know why they thought they wouldn't be able to do that. They just mm-hmm. somehow assumed that they couldn't. And that speaks largely to how individually, how individualized the focus of our profession mm-hmm. still is in a lot yeah. of ways. And managed care plays a big part in that. Um mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever had a client not do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that like the, there's this like expectation that well, my siblings wouldn't want to do that, or they or there would be too much conflict, or they they can't change, or you know, like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and it's you know, it's belief, like, yeah. and I don't know why I just thought of this, but there was one session that I had planned, which I didn't think I didn't know if this one was going to happen because it was a couple I was working with, and it was getting this guy to agree to do a session with his wife and his mom, Mm. you know? And so like being in between your wife and your mother-in-law that aren't getting along, like that's a tall order. But when they agreed to do it, I um, started the session by giving him a little trophy. Like I found a little like trophy. It's like the cup. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is your trophy for agreeing to do this. I think this is remarkable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, What issues were they dealing with? Like what did you, what did they want to talk about? Oh my God, every issue that any person experiences with their mother-in-law yeah like all of them you know like yeah. it's it's in-laws are i used to well, i didn't use i guess i still joke about this but like in-laws would keep me in business as mm-hmm. a couple's therapist because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's tricky and i don't it's like in-laws any everyone's an in-law it's not one in-law it's not just yeah. a mother-in-law not just a father-in-law it doesn't matter what side they're on like it is incredibly complex for two families to merge yeah. into one and it and i think the holidays are just the greatest illumination of mm-hmm. it because holidays are generally the time where the family's traditions, cultural worldviews, rituals mm-hmm. really come to the forefront and yeah. center stage and so it's like in-laws see are going to see you as a threat to sustaining mm-hmm. the symbolic immortality yep. of their worldview mm-hmm. and so it's like holidays are just a time where it's where all of that is heightened so what sort of tips or like what sort of communication strategies do you typically work with clients on in managing in-laws? Uh, like you, you communicate, you know, and it's like if it's if it's the, you know, say it's a wife who's having a problem with her mother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, it's like you have to figure out what the husband's role is in that with his mom. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. first you need to address like his tension. Yeah. Because he's stuck between the two most important women in his life, mm-hmm. his mom and his wife. Mm-hmm. And so it's like helping him figure out, and I don't think there's one answer to it, but, but I, I would say that ultimately what that person needs to figure out is how to prioritize their wife over their mom. Yeah. And that's difficult. That can be a really difficult thing to do, mm-hmm. but the most effective way to do it, and I would say the way that gets problematic and doesn't go well is when they try to do that passively mm-hmm. as opposed to just like sitting down with their mom and saying like, this is my wife. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This is our family. Like they are going to be my priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can see that that's difficult for you and you're having a hard time with that. But it's like, this is what you raised me to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, this is me growing up. This is me becoming my own man. And, you know, I would imagine that you would have the same expectation of dad. Right. To align with you yeah. mm-hmm. over his mom. Yep. You know, and so it's like remind them yep. that they're just not the in-law, mm-hmm. but they also have in-laws. Yep. Yeah. And dealt exactly. with a lot of this. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Making sure to be mindful of where you came from, right? Yeah. Yeah. You also had to mm-hmm. to navigate through having in- in-laws or navigate mm-hmm. through the relationships, you know, yeah. and how did that look for you? And you so know? like— Going back to that one session where this guy came in with his wife and his mother-in-law, very early on into that session, I think it was like after I did some joining with um, the mother-in-law, because I hadn't met her before, but she knew all about me. Um, (laughs) I asked her to tell me about her Mm mother-in-law. And so like the second I asked that question, like, tell me about your mother-in-law, like it had an immediate effect of transforming her entire sense of what she was doing there. Mm. Because now it wasn't just her being the bad mother-in-law, you know, that's in trouble Mm -hmm. and got called to the therapist's office. Um, (laughs) It's like she remembered, she, it opened up, it created a pathway for her to empathize with her Mm -hmm. Mm daughter-in-law because she realized that she's another woman who dealt with similar Mm -hmm. dynamics herself. And once I introduced that very quickly into the scenario, it also shifted because now she was thinking about not wanting to be the type of mm-hmm. mother-in-law that she had, mm-hmm. which was super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's like we just, honestly, like we just need to talk about this stuff. People are so incredibly terrified of addressing problems that still exist in their family of origin as they're adults because they think it's going to, what, like disrupt the already dysfunctional mm-hmm. dynamic they're existing yeah. in. You know, it's like, is it going to make things worse? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like things are well. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a therapist and as a person with a mother-in-law, I think one of the, like another just like small tip that I have heard that I've then passed on to clients too is like, if you are work, any communication that you are having with your partner's family needs to include your partner. Like, and and Mm -hmm. oftentimes it should actually come from your partner Yeah, Yeah. most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I'm, you know, if I have beef with Colin's family, then like my job is not necessarily to be the person that is working through that conflict and dealing with it completely by myself. It should be probably coming from him talking, you know, like. That's what gets him out of the middle. mm Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. him taking responsibility for yep. it? Because mm-hmm. if it's you talking over him mm-hmm. or through him, mm-hmm. that pushes that keeps that person concretized in the middle. Yeah, you know, and then they're just looking on both ends, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it it ultimately does have to come from um, the immediate family. Mm-hmm. It also gives them their own thought, right? Yeah, because if I'm feeding you thoughts about how I feel about them. Mm-hmm. And then you're relaying that information. First of all, you're not relaying it in the way that I'm saying it because you're trying to no. keep that relationship intact for you, right? And you're trying to keep peace amongst everybody. That's a good point. So you're not relaying mm-hmm. my stressful feelings 
the way that they need to be relayed, right? But if we're all together having this conversation Mm -hmm. and you're saying she's got some things that she's not really comfortable with about this relationship, right? And we're having these two conversations, then it's more likely that I'm going to be able to relay the things that I'm needing to relay, but you're also going to be able to be present in that conversation mm-hmm. as opposed to me telling you and then you running off and telling. And not just present, but joining. Like, I right. think yep. it, it is it is kind of like a, we need to be on the same team mm-hmm. about this. And if I'm the one that's relaying all of this, or if I'm just telling you, hey, go mm-hmm. deal with your mom. Right. Like, that's yeah. not that's not maybe necessarily joining. Yeah. As effective. <laughs> go deal with your mother. <laughs> it's definitely not effective. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think that this is this is part of why the holidays are so stressful for people go, like going into it too, is they're, is they're anticipating some of this too. And so mm-hmm. how can somebody be taking care of themselves, trying to incorporate some sense of routine in the holidays and through all this stress too? And like, I think, you know, a couple of things that I would put on the audience, whoever listens to this, you know, is take a moment to reflect upon how what role you might play in bringing about stress into your system mm-hmm. when it comes to the holidays mm-hmm. you know and like one of the things that i am my kids are still young you know but they're conscious their brains function you know it's like they can have abstract thoughts and insight and so like i'll regularly not too often at least quarterly like i'll check in on like how am i doing as a dad mm-hmm. you know it's like give me some feedback like are there things that are frustrating, things you don't like, things I can be doing better, like let me know. And when it comes to, you know, adult family systems, just let communication be simple. Like communication can be simple if we just mm-hmm. let it be simple. Yeah. You know, and so like if, if you're an in-law, check in with your daughter-in-law, son-in-law, whoever it is that has married into your family. It's like ask them how they experience you as an in-law. It's like, right. am I one of those nightmare in-laws? Do you like me? Are there things you can't stand about me? I mm-hmm. I like I cannot imagine my in-laws saying that. But what if they did? But like but also here's the thing. I mean, I do love my in-laws, but if they were to say something like that and I actually did have beef, I don't think I would feel honest. Like I don't think I could be honest with that. Why? I don't know. Like I You're a social worker. No. <laughs> I like cuz there's an expectation. Truthfully, I truthfully like I don't know if I could come up with something that was like, I need to, we need to Could you imagine this. them ever doing that though? Doing what? Asking you that. Maybe, maybe my yeah. mother-in-law. You I know? think if they presented it to you in a very sincere, but also benign manner, yeah. it's like you'd be more comfortable to respond. But also I think if you're an in-law that does that, there's a good chance that you're probably not a nightmare in-law yeah. anyway. That's right. true. And yeah. like when it comes to in-laws, there's always going to be a threshold of what we're just going to have to tolerate. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as the picture-perfect dream come true in-law. You know, there's a best-case scenario, Mm -hmm. which we can strive for, but there will always, you know, it's like when the Gottmans talk about the perpetual irreconcilable differences within a marriage, Mm -hmm. those apply to your relationships with your in-laws. There's just going to be more of them. That's a good point. Yeah. Yes, that's a good point. And things that you just kind of have to deal with and things that you just have to be like, this is how it goes. Yeah, and if you're really struggling with your in-laws at the end of the day, it's like if you love your partner, it's like give them some credit for that. Yeah. It's like thanks for bringing this person I love into the world. 
Yeah. You know, and raising them to the point where I get to love them and mm-hmm. be with them. Yeah. And I think every parent on the planet would deserve some degree of respect and appreciation for that. Yeah. We speak in a lot about in-laws, like mother-in-laws and father-in-laws. Well, father-in-laws can be problematic. They're just usually more I quiet. Think, <laughs> I think it's also important to talk about, like, sisters and brother-in-laws oh, yeah. Yeah. because yeah. I— It's all— it all Oh, yeah. So competition. That's a whole yeah. other sector yeah. of this There's conversation is the story. sibling competitions yeah. that are more fully illuminated mm-hmm. and the holidays. Like yeah. wanting to say more. You know, like uh, my brother Phil— be like, hey, you want to do Christmas at my lake house this year? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Phil, you and your lake house. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Certainly. But it's like, but it's like, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, it's like financially, yeah. my brother like obliterates me in his success, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I don't, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have resentment toward him because we just went on two different paths. But that would yeah. be really hard for some people. That could be hard for yeah. some people, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, those are the things we get caught up in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when, especially when you do shared presence, like, with all the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, the, and there's, <laughs> and, like, just based upon the variance in gifts that all the cousins open, it's really just, like, essentially your tax return. Mm-hmm. You know, and like just demonstrating what you're mm-hmm. the difference in what tax yeah. bracket you're in, mm-hmm. made right. evident by the kid who got a, I don't know, like a something, a fidget, you know, mm-hmm. and the kid who got the new Apple Watch. This is actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is actually something that I remember talking a lot about with one of my clients last year, where um, she's a teacher and her, um, like, she has a sibling who, makes a ton of money and they do a gift exchange every year and it's really stressful for her. Yeah. And and like one of the things that I remember kind of landing on with her was trying to be more thoughtful around like love languages when it comes to gifts and not just the monetary value because that's what's going to actually end up being what matters. And I think that a lot of people forget or they think love languages is cheesy and I like I get it it's it's kind mm-hmm. of overdone over talked about but it's also something that's so important and like sure her brother could just you know like get you know his his he could just like give iPads to everybody and wow that's really cool and that's exciting but like when you actually take some time and think about you know, what matters to the person who I drew or what matters to the people in my life, like, and tailor the gift based on that thoughtfulness or what you think their love language is, it actually, like, there's so much more meaning there. And I think that people, this is not new information. I'm not giving you new information, but this is, (laughs) this is some, I think it's a good reminder of like when things like that come up, Mm -hmm. there are ways that we can demonstrate thoughtfulness and and honestly win. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I, that's a really, I mean, <laughs> I'm really glad you me. said that because now I just need to tell my brother Phil that I want an iPad for Christmas. Right. Two. <laughs> yeah, two. <laughs> two of them. Ask for yeah. a lake house. I want next the same time. one my nephew Jake gets. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Your love language is not gifts. No, mine is acts of service, which is horrible. <laughs> it's like the most oppressed, it's like, Ask Phil, do, ask Phil yeah. to make you breakfast. It's like, do my right. laundry, and if you don't, I guess I'm not loved. You know what? That's my husband's love language, too, yeah, it's and it's hard. So this is a product it is a of hard patriarchy. One, yeah. 
<laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like my partner's like, she knows that's my love language, but also it's like, I'm not going to hold you to this. I, it's like, I, I've diversified <laughs> my love languages. Become multilingual mm-hmm. in your love languages. Mm-hmm. So especially if your primary is acts of service, because yeah. that is awful. Yeah. But I think as therapists, like, these are ways that you can offer some relief to your clients of mm-hmm. like, if these are the things that are causing them stress coming up into the holidays, like, try to you know, like these are some alternatives or things that you can try to challenge them on or or yeah. expand their thinking a little bit. And at the end of the day, be like the cranks and just go on a cruise. <laughs> exactly. I love that. That's always an option. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. But the end of the movie, like they don't go on a cruise. Ugh. And then, yeah. Their, yeah, their daughter comes Their daughter home ends and, up coming yeah. home for the holidays. And Ugh. so then they have to figure it out. They have to... They have to suddenly on Christmas Eve, of course, get a Christmas tree <laughs> and get a honey honey smoked ham or whatever it's yeah. called. And Boston Market. I don't know. Yeah. Do those exist still? I don't. I don't know what that is. I, I don't think don't. so. <laughs> Maybe one or two. There's like a fast food franchise of like Thanksgiving oh. Yeah. foods. Oh, yeah. It was I never actually went to one, but there was one. I've been. Yeah. Well quite interesting. Any other last tips or thoughts that you have for people navigating the family around the holidays, setting boundaries, or trying to ease up on the expectations? Find joy in the absurdity. You know, it's like expect chaos. It's like you're probably going to have to spend time with people that are hard for you to stomach or tolerate, but it's like, you know, flirt with them a little bit. You know, it's like find something to like with them. (laughs) Poke at the things that drive you the most crazy about them. Uh, and again, that really just like bring out the absurdity and relish in the absurdity of it all. It's temporary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. over before we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you don't need to fix all your family's problems, you know, in Q4 of this year. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's like pay attention to what's difficult and uncomfortable during the holidays this mm-hmm. year. And keep them in mind for your New Year's resolution. <laughs> Those are the things you're going to address. There you go. Yeah, I would say be be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. Make sure that you're present and limit your time. Mm-hmm. Limit your time oh, and yeah. your, mm-hmm. your interaction with them. Yeah. You know, and know what your threshold every, is. Right. If don't it's four hours, function. take a break every four hours. You know, exactly. if it's two hours, <sighs> see a family therapist. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's it's... Yeah, but just be mindful of those things. One of my first professors I ever had in this field, um, he said that never spend more than 48 hours with your extended family and in-laws. Like, never. <laughs> and, and anything over 24 hours is risky. <laughs> so, keep that in mind. Happy holidays, everyone. Yes. yes. Happy holidays. Yes. <laughs>